This message comes from NPR sponsor Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, whose scientists played a substantial role in developing more than half the drugs approved by the FDA in the last five years. Dana-Farber Cancer Institute is changing lives everywhere. DanaFarber.org slash everywhere. This is an encore episode of Ask Me Another. From NPR and WNYC, coming to you from beautiful Brooklyn, New York, it's NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia, Ask Me Another. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thanks, Jonathan. So I've got a story for you today. All right. It's a real hit in my house uh, with the five-year-old boy demographic. Okay, good. Good. My favorite kind of story. (laughs) So my son is always asking for me to tell him a story, a silly story from my childhood. So I told him one about a month ago, and now I'm in a loop. He wants to hear this story every day. Um, Can't remember where we were, maybe like a Chuck E. Cheese at a birthday or something like that, where they had whack-a-mole. Mm, whack-a-mole. You know, it's literally a machine where the little painted moles are coming out of the holes and mm-hmm. and uh and then you you're whacking it with this mallet so uh he he remembered that game and he was like oh i want to go play whack-a-mole and so i remembered the story that when i was like a teenager we would go to the calgary stampede which had all those games the you know the carnival games throw the ring on the bottle and the mm-hmm. ball and the um, water pistols and there was whack-a-mole and i was with my friends and I think maybe the first time without our parents at this event and we were playing whack-a-mole and we weren't very good at it. And the moles were coming out really, really, really fast. And we wanted, we had our eyes set on some stuffy that we wanted. I don't Mm -hmm. know why you want a prize. And so we figured out, we were like, Oh, let's just sit on the machine. Oh, Oh, jeez. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, let's permanently whack all holes. And so when the moles pop up, they will whack themselves. I mean, it's a brilliant right. strategy. So we sat on the machines, uh, and Lucas loves when I said, so the moles just, they were whacking our butts. He mm-hmm. loves that part. Mm-hmm. We have to take a pause for like a good solid two minutes of laughter right you changed, there. You changed the game to whack-a-butt. <laughs> whack-a-butt. Uh, and then, of course, we were caught, and we were kicked out of the stampede. <laughs> <laughs> That's the funniest part, is that you you were kicked out for cheating at whack-a-mole. Yeah. That's so great. I mean, he zeroed in on the on the two great uh great joys of uh of childhood, uh jokes about butts and mild transgressions. It's the right. best. And it's and it takes place at a carnival. Why am I not writing children's books? Is what I'm saying. This, Jonathan. Would, be a, this would be a great children's book. Ophira, Ophira and the Wackabut. Wackabut. We have a great show today. Saturday Night Live cast member Alex Moffat and comedy writer Jen Spira will play a game about baby animals and vampires. But unfortunately, no baby vampires. Comedians Demi Adejuibe and Gabe Gundacker show off how much they know about sci-fi movies that were set in the future but are now set in the past. And our special guest played Carlton on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. He hosts America's Funniest Home Videos and he won Dancing with the Stars, Alfonso Ribeiro. So let's go. Our first two contestants are good friends. Alex Moffat's been on Saturday Night Live since 2016. Jen Spira is a comedy writer whose new book is called Big Time, and it's out now. Jen, Alex, hello. Hello, Hello. Ophira, Jonathan. Great to be here. Uh, Jen, congratulations on your new book, Big Time. That is right. Big Time. Indeed. Get your copies. Yeah, it's a collection of hilarious essays, uh, absurdist concepts that God are uh, are put together from. I like that you know Sherlock Holmes meeting uh, Watson <sighs> through um, the technology of now a dating. I don't want to give right. it all away, but so many fun. Oh, thank you so much. It was so fun to get to. I mean, I used to work for uh, for Colbert and then before that, The Onion. And so this is the first time I've been, you know, unleashed, no rules. So that getting to <laughs> fully do what I want, that's kind of fun. Um, you were a writer for Stephen Colbert. Indeed. And 
you left what last September? Is that yes, right? Like not exactly. Yeah, last September. Yeah, but you, you're still your voice is still announces the show. This is, this is true, and it's so funny because no one knows. It's such a weird little fun fact, but yeah, I mean, I think it's the only female late night announcer. It's this sweet gig, but when I did announce I was leaving to work on the book, I know that there were wolves at the door, and there are wolves at the door every day, and I so that's why I can never get sick. The few, I mean, I like I really do try to take care because this gig is. I cannot let it go. Wolves I mean, at the door. <laughs> Alex, as someone who's had the opportunity to portray both Eric Trump and Joe mm-hmm. Biden. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I've only done Biden once. So, whereas we did uh, Eric Trump and Don Jr., I think all told. <laughs> Uh, 4,000 times on television. <laughs> I mean, I had a blast uh, every time we got to do those because it was basically just like Mikey and I love each other in real life and have kind of a brotherly thing. And there's a sort of, sort of like sweetness that we gave to the brothers. I don't know if that's truly there, but we figured it would help. And uh, I just basically could act like a toddler. And then Mikey was sort of like a sweet American psycho. So that was always a good time. And wait, um, Ali, when you when you did Joe the first time and you somersaulted yeah. out, which I thought was like such a funny way to intro him, did you did so you great. did like a- Alex used to work for the Bulls? <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. I mean this right. is this this is your crazy thing. I'm I'm wondering, did you let the SNL people know? I mean, they must know about your physical prowess and what you can do. I think anywhere I go, I wear the term physical prowess on my sleeve. Uh, so I didn't have to tell anybody. But yeah, they, they know that I like to tumble and twirl and all that. But just, just to, you know, for our listeners, you were on the Chicago Bulls acrobatic dunk team. I was. Benny and the Elevators, Ophira. Uh, one of the best acro dunking uh, halftime teams in the game currently. I got to do plenty of jumping and dunking and stuff, but uh, some of these other guys were doing like triple flips and putting it through their legs. And and I, but yeah. So to answer your question, yes, Jenny, I I pitched the um, the tumbling in. Mm -hmm. That's great. Because I'm also a big uh, Willy Wonka fan, and so (laughs) I figured let's just do it all together. Why not? Yeah. (laughs) Bring it all together. All right, we have a couple games. We'll t- chat some more, but we uh, let's, let's let's slip into a game. You guys ready for your first one? Heck yes! Yes. All right, so you're going to take turns answering questions in this first game. This is a game called This, That, or the Other. We're going to give you the name of something, and mm. you are going to tell us which of three categories it belongs to. Jonathan Colton, what are today's categories? Today's categories are. Baby animals, like the name of a baby animal, a calf or a joey, something like that. Brand names for (laughs) over-the-counter pain reliever ibuprofen, like Advil or Motrin, or fictional vampires. (laughs) Alex, this first one is for you. I love it. Is Alevin a baby animal, a brand of ibuprofen, or a vampire? Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> I guess he was kind of a vampire. Um, with those long front teeth. Okay. He could really do some damage to a neck. All right. I'm going to say that's a vampire. Oh, I'm sorry. It would be an adorable vampire. It's a baby salmon. Uh, no, it's it's not though. <laughs> they not. call those salmon salmonellas. Salmonettes. Salmonettes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Alvin is a baby salmon, and uh, fun fact. I know you just said. Could I have a fun fact about salmon? Yes, uh-huh. salmon can change color multiple times over the course of their lives. They change color during uh, breeding seasons to attract I mean, mates. Who among us? For example. Uh, yeah, you, that's when they you become know, blondes. That's right. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hey-o! <laughs> All right, Jen, here's one for you. All righty. Vasilisa. Baby animal ibuprofen Va- or vampire? Vasilisa. Vasilisa. I mean, it sounds a lot like Vagisil, um, but it's not Vagisil. Nope. Um, You're on the right track. Okay. Um, let's see. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I like it. I like it. Um, 
I mean, whatever. I'm actually going to go with a vampire. It's kind of a great name for a fictional vampire. You are correct. It is a, it is a fictional oh! vampire, yeah. It's a, it's actually yeah. a royal vampire princess and teenage high schooler in the best-selling Vampire Academy books. Oh, Vasilisa. That's awesome. That's a great. It's, ho- it's so hard to come up with, like, fake awesome names. I Hats off. You do wonder, though, if, you know, the writer had inspiration just by – from things around them and they were like – Yeah, or, just that you know. huge tub of Agisil that they <laughs> – next to the computer. And my Aunt Lisa. <laughs> yes. One there, one there. Wait a second. <laughs> All right, Alex. Dorival. Pa- pass. Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Dorival. Uh, can you use it in a sentence, please? Uh, sure. I love Dorival. <laughs> okay, language of origin. Oh, lordy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know offhand. Do you hear my baby making a billy goat sound in the background, by the it's way? So cute. Very cute. Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> That's it. Um... Um, Dorival, what, uh, I'll go with, uh, uh, an ibuprofen. Yes, it is. Yes. yes. It is, right. uh, it is marketed in Central America and countries for menstrual relief. Mm. Great. <laughs> All right, the last one is for you, Jen. All righty. Avicus. I, I got it really strong. I had an immediate reaction. I was like, I think this is a vampire, but let me just hold on, Avicus. Yeah. Is there you know, a fourth category for DJ? <laughs> <laughs> there ought to be. But that's just every word. <laughs> yeah. Avicus. I mean, kind of sounds like a Roman senator or something, but um, okay. I'm not, okay. Baby animal. Uh, it is actually, it is a vampire. You were on the right track with the Roman thing. It's an ancient vampire who appears in Anne Rice's uh, Vampire Chronicles. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yes. I think a half point for that yeah, one. A half That's, point for Don't give it to me. No, no, I don't want that. We're I killing have one it, Jen. Point. <laughs> yeah. Oh. More with Alex and Jen after the break. And a little later, I'll talk to Alfonso Ribeiro, who hosts America's Funniest Home Videos. And I promise no one will get hit in the groin with a baseball. Uh, I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from Betterment, the automated investing and savings app. CEO Sarah Levy shares how cash can be part of a balanced savings strategy for investors. Oftentimes people think of their cash as the money they're using, but when there's a high rate environment, your cash can also be a form of savings. So savings can sit in your cash account and savings can sit in an investing account. And on average and over time, investments go up, but in a high interest rate environment, you can get a more predictable return in a high yield savings account. And so investors can choose both strategies, an investment strategy, as well as a cash strategy to both protect your principal because cash doesn't go down the way markets can, but also to earn a high yield. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. This is NPR's Ask Me Another. I'm Jonathan Colton. Here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thanks, Jonathan. We're playing games with Saturday Night Live cast member Alex Moffat and the author of the new comedy book, Big Time, Jen Spira. Are you ready for another one? Yeah. Sure. Uh, so guess what? You're going to work together in this one. I know. Jen is happy. <laughs> Alex. You call him Allie. Did I hear you call you him You know, Allie? I do. I do. And, but it's, I call him Alex, too. And 
I call him Allie, which is not that exciting of a nickname. So I don't. But it I, works. Yeah. It's very sweet. It's very yeah. sweet. And I call her Teensy Weensy Jenny. Oh. And her hubby Tammy. Tammy Salami with the hawks of hammy. That's true. My husband's name is Tommy and he has large thighs. As Alex, can I reveal? As do you, sir. Is that wrong? You may reveal. <laughs> yes. With our our uh, costumer at SNL uh, once was passing by as I was doing a fitting, and I said the the pants they were fitting me for weren't really they were too snug around the seat and thighs, and I said, "Yeah, sorry about the ham hocks." And he, without skipping a beat, walked by and goes, "More like porchetta." Wow. <laughs> All right, so this next game, Jonathan Colton is going to sing you the clues, and the game is called No Relation. Yes, we rewrote well-known songs to make them about famous or historical people who have the same last name as the song's artist. So I might sing a song by Whitney Houston with the lyrics changed to be about Angelica Houston. And to win the point, you just need to tell me one of the following three things, the song's artist, the person I'm singing about, or just the title of the song is fine as well. All right? Sweet. Here we go. One of the founding fathers Loved to sign his name He flew a kite in a storm And changed the game They put his face They put his face They put his face On the front of the hundred <laughs> wow. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. much. Very well thank done. Ellie. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. Do we know it? Okay. All right. Look. What do you well, got? Wait, I am kind of confused because, I mean, we're singing about Benjamin Franklin. That is correct. Benjamin Franklin. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Benjamin Franklin, but song. you make me feel like an. Oh, duh. Yep. Of course, Alex, you want to finish this one? Sure. You want to you say it in unison? Let's say it in unison. By the wonderful By Aretha, Aretha Franklin. Franklin. That is correct. And uh, that song, the title of that song is uh, You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Founding Father. Yeah, yeah that is correct. <laughs> All right, here's another one. Eighteen hundreds, he was on a search. He went west so he could found his church. Angels came and told him, here's your fate. They said, concentrate, please to translate this golden play. This guy, he wrote the Book of Mormon. I mean the book, not the Broadway show. So I think that we know the answer is Josh Gad. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? Um, y- yeah, I mean, listen. By, by the vampire Vlad Gad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith. Wait, yes. And then who's the, well, so, oh, Patty Smith. Yeah, that's right. So it was Wait the, a minute. Actually, if you, if you search for this song, usually the 10,000 Maniacs version comes up first. Because I think that was the more famous version, uh-huh. but the but the it was originally by Patti Smith. That's right. All right, here's another one. <laughs> if you grew up in Ohio, you know this guy this '90s show. When people hear where you come from, it's so annoying because they always will quote the sitcom. Cleveland rocks, they'll say you fake laugh till they go away. It's such a burden that you bear, but it's fine. Because you always were a much bigger fan of Who's Line. <laughs> Jen, do you want to take these? Oh, oh, well. Take us home. Okay. <laughs> Drew Carey. That's right. Yes. Song is? Always Beat My Baby. Uh-huh. By Mariah Carey. Mariah Carey. That's, That's right. right. Yeah. They are fraternal twins. Little known fact, <laughs> Drew Carey and Mariah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's your next one. He's number 42, barriers that he broke through. Rookie of the year, so he's going places. A champion for civil rights, under those Brooklyn lights. 
I love him when he's stealing those bases. Yeah, yeah. So that's a song about uh, the great Jackie Robinson. That is correct. Mm-hmm. Yes. But cru- hold okay. on. Because it's the song's cruising together, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. And I, oh, so I, see, I know that as, and correct me, please, as Gwyneth's, I mean, Gwyneth recorded that as a, as a, didn't she do that with like oh, a, she sang it with someone else? That could be, I don't, I don't know oh, that version. I oh. thought it was her, I thought it was her ah. song. I assumed she, I, I thought it was like written for her, so. So is the song about Bruce Paltrow then? <laughs> Uh, I, oh, I can only think of one Robinson who writes a lot of songs, uh-huh. and it's, uh, is it Smokey Robinson? It is Robinson? Smokey yeah. Robinson, that's right. All right. Yeah. Well nice. done. Yeah. <laughs> you guys did great working together. Hey. Oh. You got all the information. It was just beautiful. Alex Moffat is a cast member on Saturday Night Live, which airs on NBC Live on Saturday nights. Jen Spira's new book of comedy short stories is called Big Time. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having <laughs> Thank us. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Our next two contestants are ready to go. Demi Adejuibe is a writer and comedian whose work can be seen on The Amber Ruffin Show, The Late Late Show with James Corden, and The Good Place. Gabriel Gundacker is a comedian and musician who most recently wrote and composed music for Showtime's Our Cartoon President. Demi, Gabe, welcome to Ask Me Another. Hello. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for being here. I know that you met through Vine, and now defunct, fun video social platform. Rest uh, in peace. When, and when we say met through Vine, does that mean you didn't know each other at all and, and literally liked each other's stuff? Yeah. yeah, I saw a lot of Demi's Vines and I, I went... Uh, <laughs> and then so when I visited L.A., uh, I reached, we reached out and we met. Yeah, I think we went to a podcast taping together and then I, I think like... Several months later, he was looking for a place in L.A., and I, uh, another mutual friend of ours who we also knew through Vine was like, oh, Gabe is moving here. He can take my spot, and we've lived together since. How's it going? It's going well. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. It's no, great. Really it's going well. Great. <laughs> There's no qualms. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Last night, we settled in. We watched The Terminal together. <laughs> that ruled. Uplifting. Yeah. Very. Good choice. Yeah. We have a couple games for you two. Are you, would you like to play some games? Love to. Yes. Okay, so you are going to be competing in this first one. And by that, I mean, you'll take turns answering the questions. So this is an audio quiz called Future Past. We are going to play you clips of movies that were set in the future when they came out. But now... Reality has caught up with those movies, and they are now technically set in the past. And all you have to do is identify the movie. All right. Demi, here's President Danny Glover in a 2009 disaster movie set a few years after its release. Six months ago, I was made aware of a situation so devastating that at first I refused to believe it. However, through the concerted efforts of our brightest scientists, we have confirmed its validity. The world as we know it will soon come to an end. As soon as you didn't say what year was set, I was like, I think I know it. Is this 2012? Yes, indeed. <laughs> yes, indeed. If the world's going to end, he's got to speed yeah. it up. Yeah. <laughs> totally. He started ad-libbing, and drumroll please, the world, the one we live in, is coming. <laughs> the one we live in. <laughs> to an end. This world. Not the other so. world. I'll list the other worlds later. <laughs> All right, Gabriel, this film was released in 1991 and set... In 1995. Of all the would-be fathers who came and went over the years, this thing, this machine, was the only one who measured up. In an insane world, 
it was the sanest choice. That would be The Terminal 2. <laughs> or Terminator 2. Terminator 2. I wish there was a Terminal 2. Where he gets stuck in the airport again, and it's just as sad. It's <laughs> even worse this time. That is correct, Gabriel. Yes! I can't oh. wait. I'm going to rewatch this movie on Sunday. I'm really excited. We just rewatched that movie. I mean, the only thing I remember about it, of course, was being obsessed with Linda Hamilton's arms. Sure. And actually thinking about it, that is now my past, because I remember watching it and thinking, I'm going to work out, and in the future, I'm going to have those arms, which never happened, so that is now the past. (laughs) All right, Demi, this John Carpenter classic was released in 1981. In 1988, the crime rate in the United States rises 400%. The once great city of New York becomes the one maximum security prison for the entire country. That would be a escape from New York. Yes, exactly. It takes place in the radical future of 1997. So, so far, I think we've watched all these movies together yeah. in like the past, like, five Oh, really? Years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Gabe, this 1982 sci-fi classic takes place in 2019. I'm Rachel. Deckard. It seems you feel our work is not a benefit to the public. Replicants are like any other machine. They're either a benefit or a hazard. They're a benefit. It's not my problem. What is Blade Runner? <laughs> that is correct. Is you don't need to runner? you don't need to jeopardy it though. Okay, sorry. No, no. But you you got the answer right. That's the important thing. That's a good one. That's a movie I pretended to understand when I was a child. Oh yeah. If there's one thing kids really love, it's noir. <laughs> we should be forgiven for not really getting it as kids, I think. Kids can't get enough of the Maltese Falcon. <laughs> yeah. That's right. They love it. Demi, Gabe, would you like to play another game? Absolutely. Just one more, please. <laughs> okay, <fair. laughs> Just one. We'll stop deal, at one. Deal. So I don't know what you guys did at the beginning of the pandemic. It's such a weird thing to say, but I'll say at the beginning of the pandemic, if you were lucky enough to have extra time on your hands and not a lot of other problems, maybe you were baking bread. Did you? Oh, yes. And really? still am. It's a lot. Uh, <laughs> I had to... I just did the whole 30 diet and I saw it was a month there where I couldn't eat it, but now it's back. So now I'll be eating it again. Gabe did uh, come upstairs yesterday and saw a entire chocolate birthday cake on our counter and was just sort of like, what is this? Why did you do this? And I didn't have a good answer for him. It was nobody's birthday. It was nobody's well, birthday. No one's birthday. Well, not nobody, just nobody you know. Okay. No, it's That's the one true. day that no one was born ever. <laughs> that was it. No one liked that for sex nine months ago. Uh, <laughs> at the beginning, especially for most people, everyone was baking bread. Uh, it became like the hot hobby. Some of us has continued, but that inspired us to write this multiple choice quiz about bread facts. You're also going to be competing in this game. Gabe, this first one is for you. Okay. Bread facts. Until the 1770s, bread was also used for what unconventional purpose? Was it A, it was smushed up and used to erase pencil marks? B, a loaf was placed on the front door of country houses to signify a safe haven for American soldiers in the Revolutionary War? Or C, doctors would use the butt ends of bread to apply pressure to a wound? Now, I don't know about bread as much as I know about science fiction films. I'm going to go B. War bread. War bread? (laughs) Sorry, that is incorrect. No! (laughs) Get this. People used to use them as erasers. See, this is how stupid I am. I was like, they they didn't have pencils in in the (laughs) (laughs) center. And if you're really accurate, you get a snack at the end of your project. Demi, in 19th century New Orleans, Mardi Gras king cake, which is technically a bread made with yeasted dough, had a bean baked into the center. Until Mackenzie's, one of the most popular bakeries, started using tiny baby figurines to represent the baby Jesus. Why did the baker, Donald Entringer, make this change? A, the baker's daughter collected dollhouses, and when the baker ran out of beans, he used dolls in a pinch. 
B, a traveling salesman with a surplus of baby figurines, you know the type, suggested the baker buy them all and use them. Or C, the baker was a devout Christian and thought the bean wasn't religious enough. Hmm. I'm going to say C, devout Christianity. That's a fine guess. The answer is surprisingly B, a traveling salesman had a lot of baby figurines and suggested to the baker that he buy them and use them. That's a Just good sales. unloading. Yeah, I know, right? Beans, huh? Still using beans? Crazy. You should be using babies. <laughs> Everyone's using babies now. Everyone's using I babies. I have a trunk full of them. <laughs> Gabe, during World War I, the UK's <laughs> food ministry introduced the Bread Order of 1917, banning the sale of freshly baked bread. Why? Was it A, it was thought that freshly baked goods were more likely to carry foodborne illnesses? Was it B, the food controller argued that slightly stale bread is less appetizing and therefore it would encourage people to ration it? Or was it C, so that the employees of the food ministry could eat all the fresh bread before anybody else could? I don't believe that food controllers are real. So I'm going to go A, <laughs> bread, bread-borne illnesses. Yeah, it does sound like the real one, doesn't it? Yes. But food controllers are real. Oh. They did, did it because they wanted the bread to be less appetizing so people would effectively buy less. Wow. I, let's not go back to that time. Oh, that's... All right. This is the last clue, Demi. It's for you. Why were some miners during the California gold rush nicknamed sourdoughs? A... They were the ones with the sourest moods. B, they were the newest miners to California. Or C, they would sleep huddled around jars of starter they brought with them to keep them warm and therefore active. Hmm. I'm going to go with C, that they were sleeping around jars of starter. Yeah, you are correct. Everybody kept their starter with them. Once you, you know this, surely, once you get a starter going, you don't ever abandon it. Well, no, you can't. That name came out about because uh, some some local travelers saw these miners doing that, and they said, uh, sourdough's miners keeping so warm. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> Thank you, Debbie, Gabe. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having Absolutely. us. After the break, I'll talk to Alfonso Ribeiro, a.k.a. Carlton from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and he also drives race cars. That's right. We think that's amazing because race car is a palindrome. I'm Ophira Eisberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Progressive Insurance, where drivers who switch could save hundreds on car insurance. Get your quote at Progressive.com today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com switch. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Progressive Insurance, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Get your quote at Progressive.com and see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. This is NPR's Ask Me Another. I'm Jonathan Colton. Here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thanks, Jonathan. It's time to welcome our special guest. You may know him as Carlton from the 90s television series, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and he currently hosts America's Funniest Home Videos, Alfonso Ribeiro. Hello. Welcome. Hello, hello, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. So, you know, your family, you come from a family... Of entertainers, your grandfather was a singer. Your aunt was uh, in Laughing, yes. which amazing the variety show Laughing. Was it just assumed that you would also go into showbiz, or did you show some sort of talent at an early age that they were like, "Yep, no, this is happening"? I I, I would say I showed the t- talent at an early age. Um, my parents definitely, you know, didn't play favorites and only put me in. They, you know, my brothers. <laughs> 
Uh, we all <laughs> tried to get an agent. I was just the only one who got one. Um, okay. So, <laughs> so they didn't, I guess that they didn't, never comes up. That never they, comes up, does it? It, it? it never comes up around the dinner table when people have had two or three drinks. Um, it's... Uh, yeah. So, but but you know, my my parents weren't playing favorites. Um, but yeah, it was one of those things where um, my my dad mostly was like, "Oh no, this kid has something, and we need to we need to explore it." And then you know, like every every parent that ever looks at putting their kid in show business, they don't go all the way to let's get him an agent. They were like, well, let's right. do some local plays and see what happens, and let's put him in the Glee Club and and. Right. And what always seemed to happen was I would go in there and get the lead roles. Um, and, you know, the funny part was when you really think about it, like I grew up in Riverdale, right? So Riverdale is, you know, somewhat uh, integrated, but it was when I was a kid, it was mostly a white neighborhood. And so for me to get the starring role alongside a white girl playing Hansel and Gretel in the seventies was not a simple decision. Right. 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 So it was something where the creative director was like, no, the, those two are the best and those are the two that's getting it. And so I, you know, I really, I, I appreciate the fact that, that that person made those kinds of choices then um, because it really did set the path for me to to try and do this professionally but uh but yeah it was it was something that my you know my parents just felt and we went in and tried and and it worked so yeah just undeniable that's right yeah and then <laughs> and then it was just pretty big for you i mean you got cast in junior high in a broadway show yes. a broadway show called the tap dance kid uh, playing one of the leads, and then after a glowing review, uh, you get cast in a commercial, which isn't just any commercials. You get cast in that iconic, pep- it was a ninety-second Pepsi commercial with the Jacksons. Yes, <laughs> like that was yes. that was no small, just, tiny you know, commercial. We're just gonna, you know, I got a commercial the other day. It was amazing. Like I, you know, it was cool. I got a commercial. Um, we're just, I'm gonna be, yeah. Who are your co-stars? Yes, Michael Jackson. The rest of the Jacksons. Just gonna hang out. Yeah, just going to hang out in the street and just dance a little while. It'll be fun. It's going to be great. Um, yeah. And so they made the offer, and and we were like, absolutely. And then the show, Tap Dance Kids, said, no, you cannot go to California to shoot this commercial. And my dad was like, y'all funny. Y'all, I like, I like the humor that you got. You're pretending like you actually can stop us. This is funny. So, but they like threatened to sue us. They had lawyers at the airport when we got there to, to, to board the plane. And my dad was like, nope, we're going. And we went to California. We shot the commercial. We come back. This commercial aired. And within 48 hours of the first airing of the commercial, we were sold out for two months. Wow. So, oh, so then they were like, oh, they were sorry. Like, they were like, oh, this, huh. <laughs> so, um, my, my bad. <laughs> um, and thank you, I guess. <laughs> Oh, wow. So, and of course, everyone knows you from the 90s television series, Will Smith's sitcom, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, where you play as preppy cousin Carlton. And um, this character of yours also had an iconic dance. Mm-hmm. And I would say it's, um, you know, swinging the arms, snapping the fingers. It's sort of a joyous celebration of being uncool. I would say is the first depiction on television of dancing like nobody's watching. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've never heard it, uh, you know, looked at it that way. Uh, you're right. Yeah, definitely. You know, that's not what. That's not a move you're supposed to be doing in public. But when you do it, everybody is joyous around you. And what's happy? Yes, you've made everybody so, happy with it. And I know that obviously you came up with it, but were there different iterations of it when not, it was not, decided? N- not necessarily. No, it was, yeah. it was pretty close to what it was. I mean, I added things as the years went on and added little pieces to it. But but ultimately, like uh, the main dance was the dance um, right from the beginning. I I uh, I had basically had seen that dance and and played around with that dance a little bit before Fresh Prince even started. Um, And so when it said Carlton dances in the script, I was kind of like, huh, 
<laughs> what would it? What would this character do? Like, what would be the move? In the first time in rehearsal, it was like, "All right, Carlton dances. What do you? What do you? What do you think you're going to do here?" I was like, "I got it. I got it. Let's just do the scene." <laughs> and uh, and so we started the scene, and I did, and then I broke out to dance, and everybody is on the floor crying, like, laughing, and I was like. I think we got it. I think I think this is the this is this is the move we'll do. And so from right from there, it uh, it it maintained what we were doing, and and uh, and they kept putting it back in the script. It was like you know every other week. It was like I was like, can Carlton stop dancing? <laughs> but when you said earlier that you had played around with the dance before you auditioned, in what's what do you mean? It, the first time I ever saw the dance, I was uh, I was at a at a. A, in a lobby bar, right? But it wasn't at the bar, but it was happened to be in the lobby yeah. and, and the food and, and and they had music, right? And there were these two white guys, clearly, who um <laughs> who 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 was doing that move, right? And I was like, that is hysterical. <laughs> what are those dudes doing? And you know they were on the dance floor, just living, just in the just in their eighties, just going. And I was yeah. like, "This is hysterical." Um, and then I was like making fun of them, right? Mm-hmm. By like, "Hey, look at this!" <laughs> yeah, right. And so I I felt the embodiment of the of the motion. Um, and I've always said that the that the inspiration for the dance was Eddie Murphy's White Man Dance. And Courtney Cox in the Bruce Springsteen video where she gets right. up on stage, yes, right? Like, right. like the, that is the origin of the move, right? And I was like, this is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you've been hosting America's Funniest Home Videos since 2015. Uh, the show first debuted in 1989. Uh, and so for our younger listeners, just so you know, that's kind of like the original TikTok. Well, <laughs> I, actually, for the younger viewers, I like to say it's the original YouTube. It's the original. Mm. Yeah, right. And at this point, you've witnessed, I don't know, hundreds of these videos. Um, there have been, you know, thousands at this point. Thousands. It's, uh, it, it's a lot of videos. Okay, so what's your favorite genre of the videos? I've I've always said that my my favorite is the, what we like to call the epic fails, where people oh, yeah. try and do something <laughs> that they absolutely should not ever think to do that, and it and it just goes horribly wrong, and we go, duh. Uh, what do you think? What's the formula in terms of an epic fail? Well, like you know, epic fails can come in many different ways, right? In many different forms. It it could be like the guy who is at a lake house and they have <laughs> I, a, I know where you're going. <laughs> they have a, a, a metal roof, right? Yes. And they're like, I'm going to jump off my metal roof into the lake. And they're like, okay, but you've already been in the lake, right? So you're wet. And then you go up with a metal roof and you decide that you're going to run off the roof into the lake. Well, your footing is not going to be solid. So, you know... <laughs> The best ones are when they start slipping early so that they have to make a decision as to whether they're going to try to hold on to the roof or they're just going to just continue having a physical mess all the way into the lake. Those are great ones, right? (laughs) Do you have uh, friends, family, acquaintances trying to personally send you their clips? I, I get people all the time who are like, dude, I got a video. Of course. And, and, you know, oh, this is the funniest video ever. And then you watch the video, you're like, I'm, yeah, not, mm, <laughs> yeah, great. Nah, great. Not, not really. And they're like, you don't think that's funny? <laughs> I was like, no. They're like, dude, Aunt Josie, right? She is like, <laughs> and right. I guess and you have to know you, Aunt Josie. If you knew Aunt Josie, you'd find <laughs> exactly. it hilarious. So, and that's exactly where I'm going, right? Like, like you've got one rule to know whether something is funny. If I need to know, the person in the video to know why it's funny, it ain't funny. That's right. If if Aunt Josie is wet and standing on a metal roof of yes. a lake house. Let's see. Maybe. Yes. Let's see it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Are you ready for an Ask Me Another Challenge? Sure. Let's do it. Let's go. Okay. We know you're a huge golf fan, so we decided to create a game that is kind of like the trivia equivalent of golf. Okay. Okay. Where the, the object is to get the lowest score possible. Mm. Got it. Like golf. Like golf. Got it. Like golf. Yes. So I'll give you a category like the 10 best poker hands. And your goal is to give me an answer that is the closest to the number one 
on the list. Gotcha. Uh, okay. And if you give me the number one answer, which in this case would be a royal flush, hey, that's worth why did you one give me? Point. Why did you give me the answer? <laughs> just, just an example. Just an I, example. Thought that, I thought that was the question. I was ready no, to go. I knew I, the answer. I knew, I knew this one. the answer. Why, can I, I think I should still get a, one point for that. Okay, sure. That absolutely. Because I, I was going to say royal flush. I, royal flush. I saw, I saw it in your eyes. Yeah. Uh, and, and because, you know, we should make this a competition. It's more okay. fun. Uh-oh. So you'll you'll be playing against Jonathan Colton. Okay. That's right not here. fair. That's I mean, not fair. let me let me congratulate you in advance because I don't know any of these topics. I don't know anything. These are all topics that have been customized for you. So I'm I'm okay. in, yeah. I'm in but trouble. You see, but, but you already have a, a jump start because you know the topics. <laughs> I, I suppose so I suppose you, that's true. If I were a monster, I would have done a little research before the show, but I didn't. I, you know why? Because I'm lazy. So and, and here I am. And, and by the way, we don't know whether you did or didn't. Okay. That's, right. that's, that's true. Right. All right. Well, let's try a few. Okay. All right. Okay. Here's the first one for you. You host a game show, Catch 21, which is based on blackjack. So according to a survey published by the American Gaming Association, what is the most popular game with casino visitors? There are eight on the list. You know, that's a tough one because I think I think realistically it's it's one of three. Do slots count? I'm going to say yes. Then I have to say slots. Okay. Jonathan, what would you like to say? I was going to say slots because I, right, I think that's the right answer. Because you don't have to learn how to do anything. You just put your, put, your, put your money in and push the button. Yes. I mean, how much do you have to know f- to throw, a, a, say, a number and watch a ball roll? Right. Right. You know, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I guess that's true. I guess that's true. Uh, I'm I'm gonna see if I can get the number two though. I, I'm pretty sure slots is gonna be n- the number one, but I'm gonna say, uh, it's gonna be something. I mean, it might it might very well be blackjack. I'm gonna say blackjack. No, I'm gonna change it. Roulette. I'm gonna say roulette. Oh, okay. Well, Alfonso, you are correct. Forty eight percent of casino visitors head to the slots. Blackjack is number two, oh, but right. it's sixteen percent. So forty-eight percent, fifty, basically fifty percent. Right. You could say go to slots, and then the other fifty percent is divided. Blackjack, and then poker, and then uh, roulette, and then video poker, craps, oh, okay, uh, sports book, and lastly baccarat. Yeah, right, right. Alfonso, you also are a huge. You're you're into golf, and you're also, I assume, a golf fan. Yes. Okay, great. Yes. So which professional golfer has won the most men's majors tournaments, which are the Masters, the PGA Championship, the U.S. Open, and the Open Championship? Well, that is clearly um, Jack Nicholas. Um, he is the, the, the um, major champion. He's got the most um, of anybody. Okay. Jonathan Colton, would you like to weigh in with an answer? Jack Nicholas is one of three golfers that I can name. So you've you've gotcha. already you've already knocked out one of the pillars of my of my plan. <laughs> Knowledge <here>. base. <laughs> uh I, I guess I I now I know Arnold Palmer is a golfer, but I only know that because I like the iced tea lemonade mixture. I have no idea how good he was. And it's really golf. good. It's really good. It's the the Arnold Palmer drink is fantastic. Delicious. Uh yes. but I'm gonna go with Tiger Woods. Okay, very good. No, <laughs> you know this one so well. Jack Nicholas is number one with uh, eighteen wins. Yes, Tiger Woods is number two with with, with fifteen. That is exactly. Yeah, Thank yes. you. Yes, number fifteen. I'm so far outclassed in this game. Uh, one last question before we wrap up. Okay, Alfonso, you won Dancing with the Stars. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, According to a 2019 survey by an online tuxedo rental company, Hmm. what is the most popular wedding first dance song? The most popular first dance song at a wedding. And just let you know, people from all generations were surveyed for this. Uh, And I'll take take anything in the top ten. (laughs) No idea. (laughs) This is hard. you know, this, that's one. a that's a tough one. Um, first dance. Um, well, I, I'm I'm gonna say it only because like I've got nothing else. It's it's uh, it's not unusual. <laughs> okay, I love it. That would that, be an amazing that's first a great dance. first dance song. <laughs> I don't I don't think it's on the list, but uh, you know. Um, okay. 
All right. Uh, I'm going to say, sure. uh, I'm think I, it's hard to think of any. All, I keep thinking of just prom songs. And I think, I feel right. like that's a very different vibe. Right. Uh, maybe something yeah. classic. Maybe something like, how about uh, at, at Last by, who is that? <laughs> at Last. Who sings that? Right. My love. Yeah, there on. you go. Wow. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, I'll give a point for that. Uh, yeah, okay. for sure. So I, I am sorry, Alfonso, your um, suggestion was not on the top ten list. Yes, not on. but that just means that the top ten <laughs> list is wrong. That's right. It's just out of date as yes. of this yes. moment. It will yes. be eventually. Yes. Uh, Jonathan, At Last by Etta James ended up in the five Etta spot right. on the nice. list. Number one is Unchained Melody by the huh? Righteous Brothers. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, right. yeah. Uh, yeah. Number two yeah. is All of Me, John Legend. Yeah, that's a good one. And number 10 is Marry Me by Train. And I would just like to say, as a first dance wedding song, it's a little late in the game. Don't right. don't <laughs> find out in your first date. Yes. yes. In your first dance, sorry. <laughs> Alfonso Ribeiro hosts America's Funniest Home Videos. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This was great. And that's our show. Ask Me Another's house musician is Jonathan Colton. Hey, my name anagrams to Thou Jolt a Cannon. Our puzzles were written by our staff, along with Julia Melfi, Kara Weinberger, and senior writer Camilla Franklin, with additional material by Emily Winter. Ask Me Another is produced by Travis Larchuk, Nancy Seychow, James Sparber, Ramel Wood, and our intern Sophie hernandez Sibionithis. Our senior supervising producer is Rachel Neal, and our boss's bosses are Steve Nelson and Anya Grudman. Thanks to our production partner, WNYC. I'm her ripe begonias. Ophira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from Scholastic with Hummingbird by Natalie Lloyd. Now in paperback, Hummingbird is a funny, magical tale about Olive, a girl with brittle bone disease who refuses to let her disability stand in the way of adventure. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Online. Is your child asking questions on their homework you don't feel equipped to answer? IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. One subscription gets you everything. One site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And NPR listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com NPR. Last year, over 20,000 people joined the Body Electric study to change their sedentary, screen-filled lives. And guess what? We saw amazing effects. Now you can try NPR's Body Electric Challenge yourself. Listen to updated and new episodes wherever you get your podcasts.